those of us who were here, good morning everyone, those of us who were here last week, we started a, a kind of a series on identity and it's probably something that we're going to do over and over again because we, we think that identity is one of the core issues for, uh, for followers of Jesus but also living in London and, uh, and being, uh, uh, being a human being. And so we were asking the question last week, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And uh, depending on how we answer that question, de- de- determines an awful lot this side of heaven. Uh, and I, we, we think because it affects everything, uh, it affects everything, particularly our, our identity. And we talked about the lens that we look at our life, and also the lens that we look, look at God. And for those of us who are here, we, we talked about these four cups. And uh, one was our bodies... One was our bodies, one was our childhood experiences, another one was like the sin and the things that we do, uh, and the last one we talked about was pain and, and trauma. And depending on, uh, throughout, throughout our lives, we were impacted by these four, four things. Uh, can you hear me okay? Is that coming all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, what we're going to do today is, and, and our goal and our journey as believers is to discover what it is that God says, says about us. What it is, remember, those of us here, we talked about that before we were born, God held us in our hands, in his hands, and he spoke our destiny, he spoke life, he spoke himself as God the Father, the true Father, he spoke these things about our identity. Uh, and then over time, we're given a body, our childhood experiences, the sin and the things that go on, and also the pain that we all, we all feel can affect how we look at ourselves and can affect how we think God, God says things about us. Different kind of lens how we look at life. 
And so our theology, and so theology just simply means the study of God, the study of the nature of God. If our theology doesn't look like Jesus, I think you've got every, question, every right to question that theology. If our theology of how God looks like doesn't look like Jesus, then you've got every right to flush it down the loop, just to kind of dump it and just to clear it out, because Jesus is perfect theology. The life of Jesus, the way he, he treated people, the way he talked to people, they, the way he showed people what God, God looks like is our lens that we, we view God through. And so if, if our theology doesn't look like Jesus, I, I'm urging you to flush it away. Also, uh, if our theology uh, doesn't lead us to loving people, then you've also got every right to flush it away. If your theology says that I'm going to be uh, criticised, I'm going to be demanding, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to tell people what I think they should do, uh, you've got every right to, to flush that away. The, the model of Jesus is that he, he, he modelled love, he modelled God, God's love to people, and uh, and that that's that's what we're we're called to do. Uh, and so in this ser series we're doing at the moment. I believe that we're adventurers on a journey. I believe that part of our, our goal, this side of heaven, is to discover who we are to God, is to discover this identity. And so um, a, a theologian called Frederick Buchner, I think, I think that's what his name is, I'm just gonna call him Freddy. Um, he says that faith is better understood as a verb rather than a noun. And he goes on to say, and he says, faith is better understood as a verb as a noun, and it's more of a process rather than a possession. Faith is more of a process rather than a possession. And faith is not being sure of where you're going, but going there anyway. It's like a and he says, it's like a journey without a map. It's not something that we own. It's not something that we, okay, we've crossed the line. Now I'm, I'm a person of faith. But actually, it's this journey of faith, a journey of discovering who we are, of discovering our identity. And so many times in our lives, we talked about this last week, that we, we go through our life and there, there are these sort of shocking or stunning moments, which, um, which happens to us and everyone. If you've been alive on planet Earth, we've all discovered and all experienced shocking moments or stunning moments that, that kind of freeze us, or it can completely derail us from our, from our journey. And it's as though these events occur that stun and shock us, and we become paralysed in our decision making. And so I, I want to propose, in these moments of, of pain, because they're going to happen, if they, if they haven't happened already, they're going to happen. In these moments where, where people say or do things to us, it's what's our response? What's our response to those, those moments? And I, I think, and what we're going to look at is these two examples in Scripture where we have these two choices or two opportunities that can either pull, up, pull us away from, from loving people or we can, uh, the only way I can think of it is called pressing to loving people. That's all I can think of. And these, even in these moments when we feel so vulnerable, uh, which are stunning and shocking, or we feel out of control, I believe, what happens is there's, these, there's this war of fear 
that, complete, that will try and completely take you out of your journey uh, or uh, help you face life successfully. And so in other words, there's this war that tries to trump, uh, trump your destiny, to completely take you out of your journey of faith, that God has planned, that God has destined for, for us. And it might be that this fear is trying to leave you with shame or guilt or disappointment. Uh, and making, also making poor choices uh, to, to move us into a direction away from, uh, away from our identity in, in this journey of faith. And so over the years, Viv and I, we've, we've talked and we've prayed for dozens and dozens of people. And uh, we, we've, uh, you know, we've, had, we've had people around, we've talked to them. What are the things that stumble? What are the things that go on in their lives that, that prevent that kind of a, a roadblock for them? And 99% of sort of inner healing or any kind of Christian counselling, 99% of, um, of inner healing work starts with forgiveness. And so we've had people around, you know, I don't, I'm really angry, I'm really anxious, I'm really stressed. I don't quite what, know what's going on. And so we're asked, you know, is there anyone you need to forgive? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. No, 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 there's no one I need to forgive. Okay, well let's just ask Father God, let's just ask him, God, is there anyone that you need to forgive? Oh my goodness, I need to forgive everyone. It's <laughs> just like everyone that I've ever met. <laughs> I need to forgive them. And time and time again, our healing and one of the ways to remove this lens of pain is just to forgive. So that's what we wanted to explore today. Just this whole thing of forgiveness. Uh, and so the first, uh, the first example, and we've got this choice, these two choices that I want to explain today. From scripture. And the first choice was in Matthew 18. And so I think the words are going to come on the screen. And it's this, when Jesus is talking to the, his disciples and anyone else who's listening about the, um, uh, the unforgiven servant. And this is what it says. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a, a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owed me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told the king, told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, you wicked servant, he said. I cancelled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your 
brother or your sister from your heart. It's an, it's an interesting scenario, and it's a choice that we're going to explore about this forgiveness. And so there's this man, he's, thrown, he's thrown before the master, and he's, the master tells him that he and his, uh, and his wife and his children are to, be, to be sold in order to pay back the debt. And the debt is the, I was looking at all kinds of, how much was it? How much was this debt? And it's the equivalent of, I reckon, about a billion pounds, this man owed. There's all kinds, of, all kinds of different numbers flying around, but I reckon it's the equivalent of about a billion pounds. And, uh, and, and the, 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 the master is ordering the, the, the servant to pay this back, and he's going to sell him and get back. But the king extends favour and mercy to this man, and he says, your, your debt, not just you're going to pay it back, but your debts are forgiven. They're totally wiped out, and you're free. You're free from the debt. And so here's this man. He's like, I'm free? Are you kidding me? I don't have to pay anything back. And uh, the king says, yes, and go. And so there's this man. He's walking out. He's doing the happy dance. <laughs> I'm free. I've, I don't have to pay this debt. And then he sees... Another man who owes him about ten pounds. It's roughly about ten pounds. And uh, he goes up and he says, oh, I want my ten pound back. Ten pound back. And he grabs him and starts to choke him. And uh, he says, pay back, pay back. And one of the masters, one of the uh, king's servants sees, sees this. And he runs back to the master and says, um, you never guess what I've just seen, master. Um, this man who you've just freed, a billion pounds... He, he's demanding this £10 back and he's sending this guy to prison. And so the master brings it back. He says, hey, what's going on? I've just freed you of a billion pounds. I've just freed you of all this debt. And you've just gone out. You've done the happy dance. You've gone out. You've immediately seen this guy who owes you £10. You want him thrown into prison. What I've just done to you, you should have done to, to the person that owed you debt. And so the king was furious, and he's at, you know, it says he's angry, and he puts the screws into the man, and he says, right, I'm going to put you into prison now, I'm handing you over to the jailers, until you pay back a billion pounds. Now, I don't know if anyone's been into prison, it's quite hard to earn money. So to, this man is furious, he puts the screws into him, he says, you've got to owe me back a billion pounds until you pay it back, and then I can free you. So he's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Um, so Jesus, he then goes on to say, unless you forgive other people, how can your Father in heaven forgive you? And some other versions talk about you, you're handed over to the tormentors. And uh, I always have this scene in like Lord of the Rings with the, with the orcs. You're kind of handed <laughs> over to this like, dark, dark place. And, you know, see it in other scriptures about forgiveness. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, unless you forgive other people, how can your Heavenly Father forgive you? And so there's this spiritual law that's created that because of what God's done for us, a billion pounds, God's done for us, He's freed us from so much. We should, we could, and we must forgive other people uh, the things that they've done wrong, Even though it's painful. Even though it's um, even though it's really, really painful. And if we're honest, in our journey of faith, in our journey, which is a, it's a verb, in our journey of faith, um, 
I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but how many of us have ever held on to unforgiveness? How many of us, when people have done things to us, or said things to us, we've, we've had it in our minds and we've played it back like a videotape, we've repeated what they've said, we've absorbed it. And uh, some people talk about it's like drinking poison. It's like drinking poison, and the more you drink it, um, uh, some, some people are in various 12-step programs, they talk about uh, it's like drinking rat poison and expecting the rat to be killed. And the more we drink it, the more it poisons us. Um, in fact, and so what happens when we get handed over to the orcs, I'm going to call them the orcs, or the tormentors, what happens, there's this partnership with the spirit of fear, with anger, with unforgiveness, and anxiety and punishment, all these kind of things. And uh, what we do is we partner with, with those feelings, we partner with that, that anger, and it eats us more than it eats the other person. The other person may not even know what they've done. Um, most, most people, when they hurt other people, they don't realise what they've done. Uh, it might be that they've sent a text and you read it and you read it one way and the other person sent it and they've meant it another way. But we can, we can read all kinds of things. Most, most of the reasons why people cause us pain and trauma, they haven't intentionally done it, but we've, we've received it as though. Uh, and for, but for some people, they have intentionally gone out of their way to, to hurt, to abuse, to say things and do things to us, which, which aren't intentional. I don't know about you, and again, I'm not going to put your hands up, but you've been drinking this, this unforgiveness poison, and you've wanted to grab other people. Hey, have some of this. You never guess what they've done, though. Like, come drink this, because you want sympathy. You want, yeah, they were bad. They were horrible to you. How dare they? Why would they do that to you? Because you're so... Lovely, you're amazing. <laughs> Here, have some more poison. This sounds really good. Like, take, take that. How many of us have ever done that? I, I certainly have. I've certainly done that. And the good news is, is that God is always there to forgive you. Even, even when you've partnered with unforgiveness. Even when you've gone out your way to involve other people in your, in your journey of, look what they've done to me. God is always in a place where he can, he can kind of wash it clean. Take, take some of that today. And it might, might be today. might be today. You're thinking, oh yeah, I've done that. And maybe even this morning I've done that. Or maybe this week I've, I've done that. Um, from the beginning, to, what's fantastic about the Bible is you get this storyline of God. You get this storyline where God is wanting to redeem, almost like this golden thread. And the stories in the Bible are so fantastic because they give us glimpses of, of what God's like. And uh, there's another story. So we've got this one choice with the unforgiving servant. I wanted to talk about Joseph uh, in, in Genesis. And there's a number of chapters, Genesis 44, and like three or four chapters of this story. So I'm not going to read that out because we'll be here till two. Um, many of us are familiar with the story or we've seen the, the musical. Um, anyone, 
know who Jason Donovan is? Uh, yeah, that'd be a few of us. Uh, many of us are familiar with the, with the story, or, the, or we've seen it on the musical, or we've read about it. And uh, Joseph there is an interesting character, because um, he has this dream of his own greatness, doesn't he? Mm. And he goes and shares it with his brothers. And he's like, look, God's going to make me great. <laughs> and he's the youngest of all, all the brothers. And, and his brothers are pretty cheesed off with that. And then what he does is he then has another dream and he gets his mum and dad involved. And his mum and dad are like, yeah, you are great. And his brothers are really, really cheesed off, really, really hacked off with him. And so they decide, being brotherly, let's kill him. <laughs> let's, uh, let's and they have this idea, let's throw him in the pit. We're, we're, we're good brothers of his, so we're going to throw him in the pit. But we're really angry. And, uh, but it doesn't work out very well, and he doesn't die. And they think, well, actually, that's not very brotherly, so we'll sell him as a slave. We'll, we'll sell him as a slave and tell, tell mum and dad he's got killed, and um, they'll be okay, but you know, we can just get on with our lives because we don't like what Joseph's telling us of his own greatness. Uh, and Joseph, the, you know, then this story about him uh, in prison, and then there's a story about Potiphar, and then he goes to the king, the pharaoh, and then suddenly Joseph becomes the lord of Egypt. He's given this position, and so it's a fantastic story, fantastic story. Um, but in there is this story of, uh, of forgiveness as well. My, my, it's a, Joseph, throughout, when he's a child and throughout, he's got this favour. And often when there's favour, there's opposition that comes to that as well. One of the benchmarks that I've noticed is that whenever there's favour or anything good happening, anything godly happening, it's gonna, you're going to get friction, you're going to get kickback from all kinds of things. So Jacob, he loves Joseph, and the Bible says his, his brothers were angry and jealous. Uh, but then there's famine that goes on. There's this famine that goes on, apart from Egypt, because Joseph's done really, really well. And so his brothers, oh, oh, after years and years and years, his brothers are thinking he's, he's dead, he's sold. They come, they come before Joseph, and there's this whole scene where Joseph, he knows what's going on, he sees what's going on, but the brothers don't realise it's him. I don't know whether, they, they come before Joseph and they, they're begging for some food, and I don't know whether they've just got their heads bowed, but... It says that they don't realise it's Joseph, and so they've got their heads bowed. Um, or I don't know whether you know Joseph's got the kind of pharaoh makeup on, or I don't, I don't know why they don't recognise it, but Joseph knows. Uh, and so there's this scene where Joseph has them where he wants them, and he could either he could either put the screws into to his brothers. He's got pits, he's got all kinds of things that he could do. It's even before sort of human rights. So Joseph would do whatever he wanted to his brothers, who'd really tried to kill him, tried to, you know, angry, be murder, murderous to him. Um, and, and Joseph, he hasn't slipped his memory, he still remembers what's happened. Um, but he says, what, what you meant for evil, God has turned it around. And now, towards the end of it, it's this whole chapter uh, of saving our family. And what's happening is Joseph is lining up with heaven <coughs> so that he can continue and to follow what the Lord's, uh, Lord's got for him. 
Uh, and there's this scene where Joseph, he's holding back tears, and he has to, he has to leave the room. He has to leave the room, and he weeps, he weeps, because he knows what's happening. And he comes back into the room, and he plays out this scenario. And the moment before he reveals who he is, what's quite interesting is he just clears the room of everyone else. You read the, read the story, he clears the room of everyone else. So it's just between him and his brothers. I found that personally challenging because, because I, we've done that, I've done that. We're, we had a really, really tough year last year, the last couple of years. And uh, people said things to us, people did things to us. And there was part of me which I was, can you just drink, drink what I'm, drink the poison that I'm drinking. And, but when I see this in Joseph, it's, he doesn't, have anyone else involved? It's just between him and him and his brothers. So he has to go to the other room to, to cry before God. Uh, so that when he comes back, he can perform this reconciliation. And, uh, and so we have this scene. It's me. It's me, Joseph. It's me, Joseph. I forgive you. And I plan this whole scenario so that I can honour you and I can forgive you, but also we can connect again. And as you read it, it's this, Joseph is this kind of this metaphor, this archetype of Jesus. The story of the Bible, the golden thread through Scripture, is about this, this God who forgives us. About this God who, despite what we've done, he goes out of his way to to forgive us. And the parable of the unforgiven servant tells us that this debt was so huge um, that, that he forgives. He forgives a big, big debt. Uh, but can't you forgive what people have done to you? And the parable, with, uh, this story of Joseph is this idea that God himself has forgiven us and he works out a plan to, to bring us back into connection with him. I am um, in Mandela's book, The Long Walk to Freedom. Uh, as he's coming out of the, the prison door, he, he describes this in his book. He says, As I walked out the door towards the gate that would lead me to freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. I, I would often talk to people who, who would know I, I, I used to work in prison, and they would say to me, Steve, you're, you work in, in prison most of your days. I feel like I'm a prisoner. I feel trapped. I'm, I may not be in prison, but I'm a prisoner myself. I would also talk to prisoners, prisoners inside, and they would say, I'm free. I'm free. My circumstances here may, may dictate that I'm in prison, but I'm on the inside. I'm free. And uh, that's a challenge for, for many, many of us when we, when we carry unforgiveness. It's like we become trapped on the inside. And, uh, uh, and it's our circumstances that don't dictate our, our identity. Our emotions, they don't dictate, they shouldn't dictate our identity. Our emotions are, are really, they're not the best way to understand yourself. Our emotions aren't the best indicator for your spiritual life. Or our emotions, our feelings aren't what we should be listening to. Even though they're powerful, even though the emotions are powerful, 
they're bad indicators for, for what's, what's going on. And they're not to be trusted. Some, some of us, our emotions are not to be trusted. And the spiritual law means if we get into trouble, sometimes if we get into trouble, we listen to our emotions rather than the truth. And uh, one of the, the spiritual law about forgiveness is you must forgive, otherwise, otherwise the spiritual law is you'll be handed over. So I'm urging you to forgive, to forgive people. Um, what, what we're going to do now is we're just going to, uh, I'm going to read out a prayer of forgiveness. And I don't know, there might be some people here who need to forgive people. I, I'd rather clear the decks, even though you feel like that. Maybe that I'm, I don't need to forgive anyone. But it might be that there are some people that you need to, need to forgive. So why don't we stand up? I was asking God, um, just God for some information. Just there might be some people here you need to forgive people. It might, I, so I felt God say, uh, there might be some people you need to forgive your brothers. There might be some brothers that you need to forgive. Um, I also felt God, just, just during worship, there, there might be someone here or a few people here, you, you used to run away from home as a child and this happened repeatedly, you used to run away to escape. I felt that God, when you ran away, Jesus ran with you and that God wants to help you forgive what, what happened at home as a, as a child. We had someone who, um, a friend of mine, he texted me last night, late last night, and I trust him as, a, as someone who hears from God, and he's, he's had some really accurate things. Um, and he says, hi, sorry it's late. Hop us three in the morning. It's quite late. Sorry it's late. I've been praying for, for Ballon Vineyard. I had pictures of Australian things and the flag, and I saw a person. And I felt the Spirit say there will be someone tomorrow, today, who God will be speaking to specifically, who has a link with Australia. So I just want to offer that. If anyone, if anyone here's got any links with Australia, I feel like God wants to wants to speak to, speak to you as well. So we're going to show a prayer. Uh, what I want you to do is just read it out with me, and then, and then uh, when there's a blank name, you might want to name it out. You might not want to shout it out. But you might just want to whisper names. Um, yeah, and I can hear you all saying please. So, um, and I'm going to give a bit of time for that because there might be a few people that you need to forgive. Might be a few. Okay, should we do that? So we're just going to get on with it. Yeah. Okay. So this is a prayer of forgiveness. So after three, repeat this with me. Thank you, Jesus. For dying that I might be forgiven. By an act of my will, I now choose to forgive those who have hurt me. You might just want to name them or whisper them all. Name out loud the people that need to forgive and they choose to forgive. I release them from my judgment. And from all the debts they might owe me. 
especially love. I will not judge them anymore for Jesus. You are the only judge. In Jesus' name, amen. So Father, I, I just, I extend your love to these people. I extend your love to all these people standing as they have given separated us from you and you and us is, is sin. The thing that separated us was our, our shame and our guilt. And in one moment on the death of the cross, you, you wiped all of that away so that we could have this connection with you, Jesus. And I pray for people here today who may not know Jesus. I, I, I pray that they, they would know the love of God and what he's done for them. just have a, another moment of singing. If you have never, ever given your life to Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, I want that freedom that only you can give, then uh, please come and come and talk to us at the end, or come come down here. We'd love to love to pray for you, and uh, we can give you one of these, these packs here. Now that I've given my life to Jesus. If you've never done that, or you did that before, you did that years ago, your, your family were into God and you never quite got it. Do you remember we are talking about faith is a, is a verb, it's, you may not know the destination but we take that, we take that leap anyway. So we're going we're gonna to sing now and then we'll, we'll offer some prayer to people. 